this is Hadassa for the Boris Court. It's a delight to welcome you back to this episode of Book by Book Bible Study. We are on the book of Acts and today we look at Acts chapter 13. Let's pray. Dear Father, we ask that as we go into your word again, you help us stay cognizant of how beautiful it is to get to hear you, know your heart, learn from you and see what has happened in the days gone by. We ask that you will teach us from your word and that you will strengthen us to do what needs to be done so that we're not just hearers but we're also doers and we actually please you with our lives in jesus name amen so let's get right into it acts chapter 13 um i'm just gonna read i'm reading the nlt version in case you haven't picked up on that new living translation um I hope that using uh, a relatable version is going to help you with your understanding. Praise God. Okay, so Acts 13. Amongst the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Manaen, the childhood companion of King Herod, Antipas, and Saul interesting it's always such a mix of people you know when you get into the church see this person was a childhood companion to a king and side by side we had a black man we had somebody from cyrene we had saul who was raised by pharisees his father was a pharisee he was a devout pharisee a devout bible scholar and you see all of them being mixed into the same space because church we come to christ christ is a leveler right okay so let's go straight to <clears throat> straight to verse 2 one day as this men were worshiping the lord and fasting the holy spirit said dedicate barnabas and saul for the special work to which i have called them so after more fasting and prayer the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way this is so funny for one reason saul had to come away he was taking you know he was sent away from Jerusalem first from Damascus then from Jerusalem because people had a hard time relating to him as a believer they in their in their minds it was still Paul the persecutor but here it was squared away in a back town you know not too popular not too front and center but God saw him there and then we also see Barnabas who had left you know they were not in Jerusalem they were not with the apostles they were not in the center they were not at the headquarters they were not at the place where things were happening but God saw them and God is like um give me those two people I've got something in mind for them that I set apart for them and they were consecrated and sent on their way the the majority of the uh, New Testament is a documentation of what these men would go on to do in God's name to expand the church. You know, all the places they traveled to, all the places they went to, letters they wrote and all of that. But <laughs> it, it wasn't, their being called was not contingent on them being noticed by the apostles. So sometimes seven can feel discouraging because it feels like 
those in leadership don't even see us a, a very recent example personal example for me was when you know it's it's hard because um because i am autistic i i like to describe it this way that my brain works far harder than my body is willing to so i have days when my brain is racing and my body can't move and i'm aching and i can't move and all of that so being able to go anywhere in the first place for me is intense effort right and i was in this situation where i put my all into a particular thing and i was showing up and going and not minding the hours and not minding the time and there was this particular weekend that was really hard and by the time i was i'd done all i i knew to do and you know the the leader goes i didn't see you doing xyz and i remember that that night i was so heartbroken you know if they had said that my effort wasn't good enough or it didn't match up to the standard that they set i would have been able to accept that but that i wasn't seen it was so heartbreaking i'm like so why bother why bother and for some reason you know yes the holy spirit comforted me that day and it took a while but eventually i got back into the spirit of things and all of that but as I was reading this again and going over my notes, um, I'm reminded. I'm reminded very poignantly that God sees us even when others don't. He hears you. He sees your heart. He sees your obedience. He sees your secret tears and your hidden effort. He sees your growth and your life and your dedication. And the thing is, regardless of whether they see it or they don't. God will use you as he means to if you would let him. So it's possible that the way you think God is going to use you is not the way he's going to use you. And it's possible that the way you think he's going to use you is the way he's going to use you. There's no blueprint. But um, that acceptance, that um, validation and the reward is not contingent on whether your leaders see you or not. So what he would have of us is to do whatever we are called to do, to do it diligently, to keep on seeking ways to serve in the ways he has asked us to serve, to keep on showing up. And, you know, sometimes for some of us, that means we can't always show up physically, but we can show up virtually. We can't always show up virtually, but we can show up in our prayer closet. We can have conversations. We can push on things. We can talk to God about something. We can talk with people about something. We can... The most important thing is to do what he asks you to do in the way he asks you to do it and leave it. Because he will use you in the way that he means to use you if you would let him. So it was less about being accepted by the apostles and and placed in a position of prominence in Jerusalem. For them, God had special work for them. God need God saw that um, the other Christians, you know, majority of them were Jews and they were so fixated on the idea of, you know, being Jews and um, being the special ones that were descendants of Abraham and, you know, that had seen Jesus and believed in Jesus and it was almost like a sect. And it wasn't very obvious because, I mean, there were, there were lots, there were thousands, but God's plan for the gospel was not to be the best kept secret of a section of Jews. When Jesus was going back to heaven, he said, go ye into all the world, make disciples of all men, and 
preach so they were supposed to preach the gospel in jerusalem yes but also in samaria which was not considered a stronghold of the jews because then they used to think um some Samer- samarians um israelites that were not from the tribe of judah had been carried off by the king of assyria At some point, they had been carried over the king of Assyria. At some point, they had intermarried. So they were not considered, you know, real devout Jews by those of southern Israel, the southern kingdoms, um, kingdom of Judah, right? So Jesus was basically telling them that you people will go beyond Jerusalem. You will go through Samaria and you go to the uttermost ends of the world. But this this was them still, you know, headquartering themselves in Jerusalem and God was trying to get Peter to move and, you know, go to Cornelius and he, he took so much effort and instructions and orchestrations and God incidences. I don't like to call them coincidences. And Peter was still when he got to Cornelius' place, he was still explain explaining explanations upon explanations and God was like, if I leave it to these people, gospel will never reach the ends of the earth. And he left Jerusalem and went all the way to Antioch in Syria to pick out two people seemingly off the grid, not in a position of spotlight, and pick those two people and decided, these are the two people I want to use. Give them to me. I have work for them. Right? So wherever you are, God sees you. And this is your reminder that God sees you. Right? okay so let's get right into it um verse four so barnabas and saul were sent out by the holy spirit they went down to the seaport of seleucia and then sailed for the island of cyprus there in the town of salamis they went to the jewish the jewish synagogue and preached the word of god john mark went with them as the assistant Afterward, they traveled from town to town across the entire island until finally they reached Paphos, where they met a Jewish sorcerer, a false prophet named Bar Jesus. He had attached himself to the governor, Sergius Paulus, who was an intelligent man. The governor invited Barnabas and Saul to visit him, for he wanted to hear the word of God, but Elimas, the sorcerer, as his name means means in Greek, inferred and urged the governor to pay no attention to what Barnabas and Saul said. He was trying to keep the governor from believing. Saul, also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit and looked the sorcerer in the eye. Then he said, you son of the devil, full of every, every sort of deceit and fraud and enemy of all that is good, will you never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? Watch now, for the Lord has laid his hand of punishment upon you, and you will be struck blind. You will not see the sunlight for some time. Instantly, mist and darkness came over the man's eyes, and he began groping around, begging for someone to lead him by the hand. Begging for someone to take his hand and lead him. When the governor saw what had happened, he became a believer, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord well 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 interesting well two lessons here one never stand in the way we'll go doing something right but second solve problems from the source barnabas and Saul could have been you know hammering and trying to catch the governor's attention and 
fighting you know for appointments and trying to visit the governor over and again but here soldiers went straight to the source i was like okay this is the source and they eliminated the problem from the source and for a lot of us we need to learn to do this with our challenges in life in business with family with relationships and stuff it's really ever about the small things the petty things the things you keep arguing about back and forth there's almost always a larger problem that is the root we call it a cascading solution if you solve it every other thing gets solved so find those kind of hooks and solve those kind of problems and you will be fine right okay so um let's go back to scripture verse 13 paul and his companions then left paphos by ship for pamphylia landing at the port town of perga there john mark left them and returned to jerusalem but paul and barnabas traveled inland to antioch of pisidia on the sabbath they went to the synagogue for The services after the usual readings from the books of Moses and the prophets those in charge of the service sent them this message brothers if you have any word of encouragement for the people come and give it so Paul stood lifted his hand to quiet them and started speaking men of Israel he said and you God-fearing Gentiles listen to me the God of this nation of Israel chose our ancestors and made them multiply and grow strong during their stay in Egypt then with a powerful arm he led them out of their slavery he put up with them through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness then he destroyed seven nations in canaan and gave their land to israel as an inheritance all of this took about 450 years after that god gave them judges to rule until the time of samuel the prophet then the people begged for a king and God gave them Saul the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, who reigned for 40 years. But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything that I want him to do. And it is one of King David's descendants, Jesus, who became God, who is God's promised Savior of Israel. Before he came, John the Baptist preached that all the people of Israel needed to be up to repent of their sins and turn to god and be baptized as john was finishing his history he asked do you think i am the messiah no i'm not but he is coming soon and i'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the sandals on his feet on his feet verse 26 brothers you sons of abraham and also you god fearing gentiles this message of salvation has been sent to us the people in jerusalem and their leaders did not recognize jesus as the one the prophet has spoken about instead they condemned him and in doing this they fulfilled the prophet's words that are read every sabbath they found no legal reason to execute him but they asked Pilate to have him killed anyway when they had done all that the prophecies said about him they took him down from the cross and they placed him in a tomb but God raised him from the dead and over a period of many days he appeared to those who had gone with him from Galilee to Jerusalem they are now his witnesses to the people of Israel and now we are here to bring you this good news the promise was made to our ancestors and God has now fulfilled it for us there 
descendants by raising Jesus. This is what the second Psalm says about Jesus. You are my son. Today I have become your father. You can actually see that passage that he just quoted in Psalms chapter 2. Verse 34. For God has promised to raise him from the dead, not leaving him to rot in the grave. He said, I will give you the sacred blessings that I promised to David. Another psalm explains it more fully. You will not allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. This is not a reference to David, for after David had done the will of God in his own generation, he died and was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. No, it was a reference to someone else, someone whom God raised and whose body did not decay. Verse 38. Brothers, listen. We're here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, there is forgiveness for your sins everyone who believes in him is declared right with god something the law of moses could never do be careful don't let the prophet's words apply to you for the said look you mockers be amazed and die but i'm doing something in your own day something you would not believe even if someone told you about it as paul and barnabas left the synagogue that day the people begged them to speak about these things again the next week Many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, and the two men urged them to continue to rely on the grace of God. You know, every time the apostles or the early Christians tell the story of, you know, the Israelites being chosen, descendants of Abraham, delivered from Egypt, brought into Canaan, and that pipeline all the way down to Jesus coming, dying for our sins being resurrected every time they tell that story one variation or the other this thing always jumps out at me god's words god's promises always come to pass even if it takes a ridiculous amount of time always always like you can wait 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 and wait for so long but eventually it's gonna come to pass yeah right okay so um let's finish up the last section verse 44 the following week almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of the lord but when some of the jews saw the crowds they were jealous so they slandered paul and argued against whatever he said wow then paul and barnabas spoke out boldly and declared it was necessary that we first preach the word of god to you jews but since you have rejected it and judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life we will offer it to the gentiles for the lord gave us this command when he said i've made you a light to the gentiles to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth when the gentiles heard this they were very glad and thanked the lord for his message and all who were chosen for eternal life became believers so the lord's message spread throughout that region then the jews stirred up the influential religious women and the leaders of the city and they incited a mob against paul and barnabas and ran them out of town so they shook the dust from their feet as a sign of rejection and went to the town of iconium and the believers were filled with joy and with the holy spirit now um first things first the jealousy to slander pipeline is a very old one i know that you know you go through life and we encounter different kinds of people and then there are those that will just you know tell lies about you twist the truth see those who tell lies outright you can you know hold them and say these are liars but there are those who twist the truth so they take a little bit of the truth twist it turn it add you know garnish it and then 
it looks very real because it has a modicum of truth in it but at the root of all of it you find jealousy and it's a very old thing it's, it's a very old like you see it's a very old thing it's been around for at least 2000 years and we can we can learn from Paul and Barnabas in this it's tempting to start trying to argue your case and plead your case and you know tell the truth but how many people do you want to tell if um, a slanderer or a gossiper has decided that they don't have anything they want to do with their life they don't have any purpose they don't have any ambition they don't have any life goal life plan nothing nothing and they're just gonna spend the rest of their lives you know talking nonsense and untruths about another human being do you also want to descend to that level like really so one thing i would always tell people oh, if so as a person is slandering you what you can do as a person is to make sure that you live your life over and above board in other words you stay true to your convictions stay true to your values you act right this does this thing um yoruba say i'm going to try and interpret it they say like the truth will always catch up with a lie the way they say they'll say like a lie can be perpetuated and perpetuated and perpetuated but the truth will come to light and the truth will always show it up as a lie so it's not directly your responsibility to start trying to preserve your reputation and i mean what there's no need to go too far how many lies did the Pharisees tell about Jesus and his nature in order to get him killed? And yet, when Pilate questioned him, he didn't say a word. You can go and read through the four Gospels, the account of Jesus' arrest and um, the events leading up to crucifixion. He didn't say a word. He didn't answer a word. Yeah, Pilate looked at him and was like, yeah, this is an innocent man. And sometimes, you know, sometimes there's immediate public validation. And sometimes there isn't. Sometimes it looks like the bad guy's got away with stuff and sometimes it doesn't. But we cannot live our lives chasing around the bad guys and trying to, you know, straighten things, tell the truth. Live your life as the truth. And allow God to do the sorting out of slander versus truth as time goes on will they hurt your reputation possibly probably but it's only temporary because this life maximum maximum maybe you spend 80 100 120 years you have eternity if you live your life as a truth as authentic as authentically as possible and in accordance with god's leading and guidance you're setting yourself up for an eternity in the proper place right so it doesn't matter whether they win here or not that's on one side on the other side if you live your life authentically uh following the truth walking in obedience with god by themselves by themselves they will use their own mouths and complicate matters for themselves it's only a matter of time the truth always comes to light so this is where we're gonna end this episode We've been looking at Acts chapter 13. I will see you in the next episode. Bye-bye. Have a beautiful day.